<laughs> well, aren't you a cheeky one? You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friend. Today I am interrupting our regularly scheduled programming. I had a beautiful podcast episode lined up for you today, and I am instead popping in with this last minute episode filmed for the very first time on my iPhone while I am sitting in a random bedroom in a random place that you would never guess. I certainly, Jeremy and I certainly never would have guessed just a few days ago. And today's episode is also a little different as usually I am here to teach. And uh, today I'm really just here to share and uh, share our personal story and what has been happening for us in the last couple of weeks. And I find one, just wanting to be connected to other people and know what everyone's experience of this is, the people that I'm in relationship with, like you and I are, but also just uh, just strangers. I think that it is so confusing, everything that we're processing, that I find I'm really fascinated by just trying to understand what is this like for everyone else? What are all the different other scenarios and aspects and situations that I haven't even considered to help me understand the complexity or feel less alone or um, even in some ways just be a source of entertainment that uh, is not as heavy as the news but also feels related and sort of addresses, uh, keeps me in the headspace of where my head is at more often. So I am going to share our story of the last couple of weeks. If you have been following along on Instagram, I started using the hashtag pandemic in paradise because three and a half, just over three weeks ago, we landed in Mexico where we were headed for a month. And it was two weeks ago that None of this had really broken in the U.S. It wasn't, I think things were maybe happening in Italy, like we were starting to see it spread, but it really was not registering for ourselves and our family and our friends here in the U.S. Um, that that much of anything was really, really happening. Ish hadn't gotten real yet two weeks ago. And I remember this because I was a week in, feeling sad about only having two weeks left. We were doing a three-week working remotely stay in Playa del Carmen. I was working on my writing my book and writing my company, and then we were going to go on a week vacation. And a weekend, I just, I knew I was going to want more. I was already feeling sad that a week had gone by, and I was writing, and I was feeling great about writing, but I was feeling like I wanted a lot more hours to write, and I was kind of wrestling with how many hours my business was still taking. And I remember it occurred to me, I wonder if we would stay longer just to kind of stay away from all of this. And it's interesting, by the way, that I had that thought because it's almost like I was looking for permission to stay longer, um, which is silly because I work for myself and Jeremy's company is very flexible with him working remotely. So I'm not quite sure who I would have been asking permission of to stay for longer, but it's like I kind of held, picked up on this little excuse of, you know what, if it's not safe to go back and it's a little crazy, maybe we would just stay here for longer. And 
you know, I say that nothing was really happening here, but it was occurring to me in my head. My parents were coming to visit at the end of April. I was like, I don't know if they should be coming. They're saying people over 60 shouldn't be electively traveling. So I was starting to kind of process that. And there is an event that I was uh, leading for my church the first week that we were back. And I was sort of thinking, well, would I feel badly telling them that I wasn't coming back? And I mean, now that just sounds ridiculous. Two weeks later, of course, the event's not happening, but that's where it like wasn't quite there. And I remembered that it was also at that time because when I said to Jeremy a few days later that I had been thinking about this, he was like, oh, really? That didn't occur to me. I'm like, yeah, I was already kind of thinking, I wonder if we might stay here for longer. So then 10 days ago, we had an event for my Elegant Excellence Mastermind happening in New York City at the end of April, and we postponed the event. And it was so distinctive because I had the conversation with my team on Tuesday. We were just about to sign off on the reservation and everything that we were having for the event. And my business manager said, are we sure we're still going ahead with this? And I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. She was like, really? You haven't thought about that? My other two team members were like, oh, we've definitely been thinking about that. And I said, you know, I guess I just, I've been... I don't know. The two just somehow hadn't gone together. I'm thinking, and I think it was because I was thinking about my parents because they're over 60. And there was such emphasis at the time of older people. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, I certainly would be back in town in time for that event. But at that point, it New York City itself didn't feel you know, incredibly unsafe. It was just getting there. And it still felt like those of us that were in the under 50 category, we were by and large going to be safe. So anyways, it's just so fascinating to me to think back to these very specific dates and the thoughts that I was having. And part of that to me is just how much has happened in the last couple of weeks here. And if you are feeling whiplash if you are feeling all over the pla- all over the place all over the map all over the plap emotionally and mentally that is because we my friend have been processing a lot and i've kind of been mentally documenting these dates for myself because it helps me to look back and go well whoa a lot changed in you know, a period of a couple of days. So at that point, I, we had this conversation on Tuesday about pushing it back. And I said, let me think about it. And on Wednesday is when ish got real basically. Um, and the, the biggest one for us, I don't know, I'd be curious to hear on Instagram what it was for you when it kind of hit you whoa, this is real. Uh, Jeremy is a huge fan of the NBA. Oklahoma city thunder is his team even though he is not from Oklahoma City and has never even been there. It's a long story. But um, he was watching the game, and I didn't know this. I was watching The Bachelor season finale, I think, and getting real riled up about Peter's mom. Remember back when we cared about things like the finale of The Bachelor? <laughs> um, now they were just would barely be on my radar. But um, he was filling me in as we were getting ready for bed that the beginning of the game was delayed, and then all of a sudden they rushed out and canceled the game because of a scare of coronavirus, something. And then he's telling me this and I'm refreshing the news and I gasp and I'm like, you need to sit down. He goes, what? And I was like, the NBA just canceled the season. And guys, my husband loves basketball so much. It is truly like the bright spot in his life. Like basically it's like Jesus, me, and then the NBA. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is Jeremy's, like this is gonna break his heart. 
And I think that the idea that it wasn't just a canceled game, it wasn't delayed a week, the season had been canceled. It was like, this is happening. And Glennon Doyle, an author that I love, she canceled her book tour. And I think for me, I just thought when you are a New York Times bestselling author, and I'm sure you're trying to make the list again, and you've poured your heart and soul into this book, when I think about how much dreaming I do about my own book tour, to have to cancel all of that, the publicity, the impact, the reach for the book, the readers that you're finally getting to connect with, all of the coordination that has gone into that. I mean, that is not, that is a gut-wrenching thing to have to cancel. And when she canceled that, I thought, okay, she has been really diving into this in order to make this decision. That gave me permission on Wednesday to say, yeah, we're canceling the event. So I posted in our group that we were canceling on Thursday morning. And I feel like by Thursday afternoon, it would have been preposterous if I was was not to have postponed the event. It would be like, why is Hillary not paying attention to this? But the, the, the first day on Tuesday when my team said it to me, I was nervous because I thought, are people going to be upset? Are people going to be like, this is silly. Why are you doing this? I just, I was expecting pushback. And within a mere 48 hours, it would have been ridiculous if I had said, hey guys, we're going to go ahead with that event, which of course then we would not have been able to do anyways because gatherings would have been canceled. But it's just fascinating how a decision I was wrestling with by Tuesday and came to on Wednesday would have just been obsolete by Thursday and would have actually been illegal, you know, a mere few days later. So a week ago, we decided we are going to stay in Mexico for another month or two months. New York City, where our home is, is the epicenter of this. And it just felt like my greatest concern at that point, I love New York so much. And the statistics about the hospital beds we are going to run out of and the ICU beds we are going to run out of, I felt like it was doing my part as a New Yorker to not go back and by any chance be two more people that added to that system. Whether that meant we got someone else in our building sick. There are older people that live in our building, whether it meant heaven forbid, one of us had to go to the hospital and, you know, it just these horror stories of doctors in Italy having to decide between two patients and, and the younger, healthier patient. I don't want to, I don't want to use the word winning, but I, you know, I don't even know the other word to use. I was just absolutely horrific. And I was like, I just, I, I would never forgive myself if we went back and we were in that position. I mean, heaven forbid you even just like broke your leg and you had to go to the hospital and you're just diverting attention. I just felt like it was the most loving thing we could do for our community to stay. But at that time, I also started to notice this odd difference in being in Mexico versus physically being in Mexico while our head and our heart all day long We're in New York City, where we are 100% completely on board with social distancing and flattening the curve. And I feel like everyone that I've been following on Instagram is all completely on board and all aligned with that. And yet, it didn't apply to our life where we were at. Because the thing we realized about social distancing is that It only is impactful if we are all doing it and no one else in Playa del Carmen in Mexico at all 
was doing it. And every day I would Google coronavirus, New York City and coronavirus, Mexico. And Mexico had no response from their government. There were no guidelines. The president was getting chastised. Other countries were chastising them. I mean, there was just no, the only change was they put Purell out at restaurants and shops. That was literally the only change we saw. We didn't see people wearing gloves or wearing masks. There was no effort at the, you know, shishi resort that we were staying at to sort of say like, let's separate, let's, let's put a table in between guests as we're seating them and try to social distance people or something. I mean, it was a little bit of Purell and that was it. And so we realized if, if we were to social distance here, if we stay for another month and we, cause what we were trying to decide was what kind of Airbnb are we looking for? Like, what are we going to do if we stay here? Are we just, are we staying in our home? Are we trying to find an apartment where we will not leave? But it became like, well, but why are we doing that? Because at that time, our concern was not us getting sick. Now that changed later, but at the time it didn't feel scary. There was so much emphasis on the fact that if you were young and you were healthy, you were fine. You were, you're going to get something that feels like the flu and that's not going to be fun but it's going to be fine. And so we do want to help society. We do want to help other people. I do want to help someone else's grandmother, someone else's person in their family that has an autoimmune disease or whatever. I am in no way saying if this doesn't affect me, it doesn't affect everyone else. We want to like be doing what is good for our neighbor, even in the foreign country that we are in. But if we are staying by ourselves in our apartment and no one else is, we are just a tiny drop in the ocean. We are not doing anything. It's only effective if we all stay in. Jeremy and I alone are not going to flatten the curve from anything. And so it became this weird sense of feeling like guilty for going out and leading our lives. But also there's no real reason to not go out to eat at this restaurant. But then we feel kind of uncomfortable sharing about it on social media because we don't want it to seem like we are encouraging this and, and that we would be doing this if we were in New York or we were in L.A. We would be living our lives very differently. But guys, nobody around us is doing this. It's we, we can't save all of Mexico by ourselves. So it was this an odd place to be in. But we were we were staying for another month or two and we were trying to kind of picture, well, would we be staying inside? We were just having these hours long conversations, trying to really wrap our heads around how much do we social distance? How much do we self quarantine? You know, how does, how does all of this work? So then five days ago, I shared a little bit about that on Instagram and I was starting to struggle with getting pushback on sharing beautiful, inspiring parts of our life there by people who it seemed like in their mind, if everyone wasn't talking about this and panicked about this 24 seven, then they were disrespecting the reality. But I felt number one, and I shared this on Instagram, I'm writing my style book and in doing research on that, I've come across some things about the fact that one of the reasons the golden age of Hollywood took off as it did was because it came on the heels of the depression and the world wars and people were looking for escapism. The average American woman had so little money, had so few clothes, had so little beauty, had, had so little that she craved all the more so the glamour and the luxury and the gowns and the beauty 
that took place in these magical films that she was seeing. And that in dark times, we crave beauty. We, 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 our souls need the escape. It's like, there is so much anxiety. There is so much weight. We want the light. We want the joy. We want the beautiful things. And it was so bizarre that we were in Mexico at that time, because if we had gone two weeks earlier, we would have been landing back in New York right when everything was hitting. And if we had gone two weeks later, we probably wouldn't have gotten on the plane. But we happened to go in this sweet spot where it didn't occur to anyone. No one in our life said, are you sure you want to travel while this coronavirus thing is happening? I mean, not, not my mother, who would be the first one to say it, guys. <laughs> no one. It was not even on our radar. So to arrive there and then be having people write and say, please keep sharing. You are my sanity. You are the bright spot in my day. Living vicariously through you is getting me through. But then every once in a while, there would be this person that was like, I can't believe I did a, a humorous thing because I, we were getting bit by mosquitoes. But guys, I ended up with the mosquito bites on my derriere and like right up in there. I mean, right where your thong goes. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, how deeply do I have to put this bug spray on here? <laughs> like, this is really, how are they even getting in there? I don't understand. So I did this like funny, you know, serious PSA about like, how I was really bothered by the lack of, you know, respect for my personal space and anatomy or whatever. And I got a DM of someone that was like, I can't believe that you were complaining about mosquito bites with everything happening in the world. Well, go back and reference my episode on opinion culture, Sharon. But I like, yeah, because we need some joy and we need some levity. (laughs) And these things are still going to happen. Other people are still going to have things happening that are, you're still going to stub your toe and you're not going to say to yourself, well, I can't can't say the word ow because it's not that bad compared to everything else that's going on. And I felt like we were there to spread joy. That was part of why we ended up there. And I was not there to be spreading information left and right about the coronavirus because I wasn't in the thick of it. It felt like I don't have the right that I would if I was here in New York to speak to it because I I am, I'm telling you that you should stay at home, but I am not in a place where anyone else is staying at home. So therefore it doesn't feel effective for us. So we aren't doing it. So how do I have a right to do that? But what I can do in the season is bring joy. And I will continue to do that. Uh, We went quiet our last couple of days there really because we were processing all of this and I didn't feel ready to share it because of getting feedback like this. I just felt like people have very strong opinions right now and were, um, you know, part of that opinion culture episode, which I'll link in the show notes that um, they feel like they should tell you what you should be doing with your life and where it would be safe for you to go and forwarding us articles as though we were not paying attention to the news ourselves. And so I just didn't want any of that opinion. So I just started posting that um, we did not have any updates on our travel plans at this time. And instead, we just did a bunch of content while we were there so that we could keep sharing for you. And honestly, also for me, like I, I sort of, it was sort of a coping mechanism for me to say, I don't know where I'm going back to and I don't, I'm going to create this content while I can. I'm going to take beautiful photos and I'm going to film videos and I'm going to film videos of the ocean and I'm going to watch those videos myself when I feel far from here and I want you know, to be here. So 
but okay, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because this was day five when we went to see eight Airbnbs. <laughs> if you were following along on my Instagram stories, we did a little like house hunters play at El Carmen, which is highly entertaining. And, um, that night, I also saw articles talking about how younger people now were also ending up in the hospital, were also getting sick. And that that energy then started to shift a little bit. In going back to New York, are we not only not... Um, or in staying in Playa del Carmen? Is it not just about trying to protect other people? Could we re- legitimately get sick? So then this was Thursday. We spent hours that night having long conversations. We got on uh, FaceTime with a friend of ours who is uh, Mexican, lives in New York City now to really better understand the healthcare system. And uh, thankfully, fun fact, we found out that there are two kinds of hospitals in Mexico, public and private. Um, Private is what you pay for with your tax. I'm sorry, public is what you pay for with your tax dollars. And unfortunately, it is not good. You know, it is not high quality care. It, It would be for the lower classes, so to speak, I believe. I am not an expert on this, but this was my brief understanding. And then private hospitals are what the more affluent Mexican population is paying for. It's basically what we have in America. We have private healthcare and that we all have to pay a lot of money for it, except that because everyone has to pay pay into it and it's got a broken system. We don't have, it's not always great care where he said there, because people are paying for it, it actually is great care. And he said, I believe that the private hospitals in Mexico, you would get better care than you would back here in the States. So that was huge for us because at this point we're starting to think about like, what, what if one of us ended up in the hospital? where, how would we feel if we were in New York? How would we feel in Mexico? And at that point, we felt like we actually would feel safer in Mexico. We feel like there is less threat here right now. And if that threat starts to increase, we can always make another choice. But right now in New York, they're saying that it's going to get worse over the next six weeks. So let's stay here for the next six weeks. Heaven forbid we got sick. We feel the hospitals here are safe and they actually are going to be, you know, less overrun. So, um, we had long conversations that night. And then the next day, this is four days ago on Thursday, we felt like, okay, there wasn't one of those Airbnbs we were so obsessed with that like if it wasn't available, we would be crushed. So we thought, let's just give ourselves a little more breathing room. We're headed to Tulum on Saturday. We have a reservation there at a Shishi resort that they're not letting us cancel. So we're going to go ahead with that part of our vacation. We'd already canceled. We were supposed to go to Mexico City and we had previously already decided There's no reason to get on a plane electively. There's no reason to go to a bigger city. We'll just stay here. But because Tulum is an hour's drive away and we can't get this reservation back, we'll go ahead and go on vacation, which seems emotionally odd at this time. But again, it's just as safe as it is here. So why not? So we thought, well, we'll, we won't book an Airbnb here. We'll get to Tulum and then we'll see maybe, maybe we'll stay there. Maybe we'll like it there. So I'm looking at Airbnbs on Tulum. We're kind of deciding what our plan is. And then around, actually not around, it was 545. My friend Allie Worthington left me a message that the state department had just announced that all Americans who were, who were overseas needed to come home immediately unless they were prepared to stay abroad indefinitely. And instantly I was like, okay, then we have to go home because my first thought was if something happens to one of my parents, I, here's my worst case scenario. And I'm not saying this to concern anyone else. I don't think that this will, I'm sure if this is relevant to you, you've already thought about this, but part of what was so hard during this, this time is that 
we had to keep having these conversations of what is our worst case scenario? We've got to prepare for what the worst case scenario would be. And I think what was unique in our situation, and I'm not saying it was worse because everyone has lots of different things, challenges that, that this is bringing up for them. But our unique situation was because we weren't home, we were having to decide where were we going to go? Where were we going to stay? When I think about my sister in Orange County, California, she, she has had no decisions to make about where to stay. It's simply, oh, the kids are home now and we're homeschooling. Okay. Oh, things are closed and we already really weren't going out. Now we really can't go out. Okay. Like it's sort of the decisions are made for you. The decision was made for her that her kids would stay home. The decision was made for her husband that no one would go into the office. The decision made for them that they, they can't go out to eat and things like that. The decisions were made for them. Whereas Jeremy and I, which is not, um, again, I'm not saying that's a pro. That can be very frustrating when the decision is not made for you. And that is what happened with us really when the state department said you have to come home. It felt like, well, this decision's just been made for us. That felt obvious. But part of the weight had been, well, where, where do we want to be? Like New York versus you know Mexico. And then it became, okay, well, I, I don't think we can stay in Mexico because my the, the two worst case scenarios were, um, my greatest fear is that something will happen to one of my parents. If one of them gets sick, the other one may presumably get sick and that uh, one of them will go into the hospital. And the fact that the other one would be left home alone just breaks my heart. And so we had already talked about if that happens, we will go home. Like even if it means that we would get sick, we would take every precaution. But even if it means we get sick, we would not leave them living by themselves over the age of 60, sick with this and potentially unable to like, you know, call for help if they need it or something. And heaven forbid, one of them was to pass away. All the more so, I just couldn't leave them there, grieving by themselves and be stuck in a foreign country. And even if that is not the case, obviously heaven forbid. Um, Our other thing was, it feels like right now things are getting worse in uh, the U.S. And let's say just ballpark. I mean, obviously it is preposterous to even talk about timelines because things keep changing. But just broad strokes with me here. Let's say for the next two months, you know, things are really bad in in New York, in California, and they're not wanting to let any other people in. And then things start to get bad in Mexico. Because it was like, you know, from China to Italy to Seattle to California to New York, like it seems like it, it it hops around. So it could be feasible that Mexico then starts to be bad. Well, even if the U.S. is getting better, if Mexico is getting worse, then the U.S. doesn't want to open their borders. So could we have two or three months of the U.S. being bad? And then could we have two or three months of Mexico being bad? And now Jeremy and I can't get back into the country for four months, for six months. We have a very expensive apartment that we pay for in New York City. Um... And I said, even if something else happened, like even if your grandmother passed away, having nothing to do with coronavirus, we wouldn't be able to go back for that funeral. If, if just anything happened in life, the fact that we couldn't go back in the country just felt like, okay, well, we, we have to go back. Um, while I was, I was, I called my parents to kind of talk through this with them because since they were part of our concern and coming back, I just wanted to at least get what their take was. And interestingly, while I was on zoom with them, I, we were all checking the news. I happened to be checking the news and uh, I had to tell them that the edict had just come down, that California had 
completely put in shelter at home, which to be honest, actually made me as a daughter feel better because my parents were already being you know quite good about social distancing. They're totally, they're into it. They're safe. They're wise, like all the things I'm not having to, you know, get them to come around to the idea or anything, but my dad was still more resistant to wanting to get out of the house once a day. You know, he doesn't like to be cooped up inside. And once that came down, they, they, they themselves went, oh, okay. All right. Well, we don't have to go back to the store. We have two weeks of food. Like, and so I really felt like, okay, I think now that the state has said it, (laughs) I think my dad will stop driving up to the gas station when, I mean, guys, who needs gas at a time like this, but it's just something he has to do to get out of the house. He will stop running up to the grocery store for a baked potato when like, really we have other food there, but he just like, it was just like a mental thing. He had to like get out of the house. So that made me feel better. Okay. They really are not going to go anywhere. I feel safer about their health in general. Um, but I'd also, I'd had this idea of a third option somewhere along the way. Obviously we, we couldn't go to California. We would not have gone to California or we will not go to California unless something, uh, is dire with my family. So, but it felt like there was this third place like New York or Mexico. And to be totally honest, I just realized, I don't think I've told Jeremy this. The reason I came up with this place initially is I was on a website that I like to look at for hotels. And I was just thinking, as we were trying to figure this out, I thought, I wonder if there's any hotels that just have amazing deals right now. And so I was just kind of looking on that website and I happened to pass a hotel in a city and it just, it just got stuck in my head for some reason. And I kind of thought, you know, that would be driving distance from my parents, heaven forbid anything happened. And this was like a week prior or something like that. Anyways. And so then I just started putting little things together together. And I thought, well, where are their nonstop flights from Cancun? Because if we have to fly out of here, we don't want to have a layover and we don't have to get on a second flight and be at an extra airport. We want to just take as fast as possible. So where are their nonstop flights that are not going back to New York? Also, uh, where is it warm? Because we only have tropical clothes. <laughs> and I'm looking at Atlanta and I'm looking at DC. I'm looking at these other places and um, we would have to buy new clothes because it's really cold there. And um, also it is really cold in New York City. And um, we, sorry, I'm getting a little bit all over the place, but we, okay, I started to talk about why we were coming <laughs> I'm not going to stop this so my editor doesn't have to go and edit this one. But so guys, sorry, roll with me here. So about, let me focus on where we were coming first and then I will go back. So um, if it's a nonstop from Cancun, it's warm. In addition, we, okay, that's what I was going to say. Okay. It is freezing in New York right now. And that was part of the challenge of going back was we live in a tiny apartment and it's big by New York standards. But for those of you who live in a house in the suburbs, I kept picturing that for my parents and my sister and brother-in-law, they live in a house where if you get delivery, they can just drop it off at your front door and walk away. We live in a tall high rise. If someone brings us delivery, either they have to go up in the elevator or we have to go down in the elevator with all these people shall like, and people are staying home from work, but then people are still wanting to go out for stuff. How hard is it going to be to get in the elevator and not be around somebody else? And an elevator is not really good for you to get in anyways. And because it's cold, we have a balcony, but we can't go out on it because it's cold. It was raining every day this week in like 40s. So I thought, well, if we go home, we're not going to be like going for walks. We're not going to be going for a run for fresh air if it's horrible to go outside. And it just felt like 
when I pictured my family that was in the suburbs having a backyard or being able to go for a walk in their neighborhood just felt so different. And um, so I thought, where could we go that's in the suburbs where we can get delivery, we can go for a walk, we can have a backyard. And also I'd had this idea of driving distance to New York. So uh, folks, we ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Jeremy's never been here. Um, I've been here once in college, my college boyfriend, his parents lived in Scottsdale. Um, I believe that's the only time I've been here. (laughs) So, uh, completely random place that we came to and I'm floating this to my parents and they were still kind of saying, you know, go, we think you should go home to New York for them. They were just saying, we don't think that you should spend the money. And I think for us, I just felt like it's not a small thing, but it just was what we needed I think emotionally, I think going back to New York felt so heavy on so many fronts. And if we had the means, even though it was not in our budget and even though it's not cheap to go someplace else for our mental health in this season, for the sake of, of trying to get more book writing done or, or whatever it was, it was just such a drastic shift from where we were at for us, it felt worth it. And so we also wanted to find, you know, in in the budget, like we could have found someplace that was like nothing. We actually had family friends that, um, offered us a condo for free. That was so generous of them, but I hadn't seen any photos of the condo. And I was like, I just, I don't know about you guys. I'm sure some of you would think this sounds silly, but others of you will totally get it. I am such a vibe person the the vibe of something can just make me feel depressed and anxious and sad. And I was like, I am still trying to write this book. <laughs> I am, there's all this stuff that I'm working on in my business. Like, I don't want to just go someplace sad and tragic. That's not going to make it any better. Like this half furnished condo that they don't really remember what was there and no one's lived there for a long time. And so we were like, we still need to be someplace that feels inspiring where we feel like just for our own, we need to find the us kind of in this. And I, I encourage that for you, for anyone who is struggling with, yes, how do I do homeschool with my kids in a way that feels like me? How do I find a rhythm that feels like me that all of a sudden I'm working from home and that has never been something that I wanted to do and I don't have a good vibe with it? How can I be like, okay, but I light candles and I, you know, get flowers delivered and like whatever it is that kind of, I I do a bunch of FaceTimes with people. How can you still find you in this scenario? So, so we decided that we would fly to, uh, to Phoenix. We worked on flights on Friday. We worked with Airbnbs. We were able to, uh, negotiate with people and ask them to come down in their budgets because they were all uh, dried up in bookings and find something that, you know, that worked for us that we felt good about. So two days ago on Saturday, we had our first, we had a, like a real vacation day, which was our first one in a week, because on top of all of this, if you follow me on Instagram, I had the Mexican, like a Mexican stomach bug. I had, I was saying it was food poisoning. And then people were like, it's day four food poisoning. Food poisoning doesn't last that long. Are you sure it's not coronavirus? Because some people also get nauseous and they just don't talk about the symptoms. And I was like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not coronavirus, but, um, thank you, Emily for, uh, sharing that. But, um, it was just, it's more of like a stomach bug thing. So I was having trouble. I wasn't vomiting or having diarrhea, not to be TMI, but I just, I, it would hurt my stomach when I ate anything that wasn't the blandest. So I was being sick in the midst of this while it just felt like every day there was something new that we were processing and having these hours long conversations about all these worst case scenarios as we're trying to make decisions and weigh things out. And so I was like, 
uh, I was like, I just want one day here where I can eat real food and we can just be present. And I'm nervous to fly if my stomach isn't feeling better because it's going to be all this like crappy junk food all day. So we put off flying until Sunday and we're like, we're going to have this great last vacation day on Saturday. And it was a beautiful vacation day, but it also, it felt heavy. It felt weird. It felt, Jeremy said, I almost feel like I'm going to jail tomorrow. (laughs) It's like, it feels like this is my last day of freedom. And, you know, in I think there was also so much guilt along the way to even try to express any of this on Instagram, which is why we were like, let's just not even talk about it till we're gone. Because again, we know there are people who have it worse. There are people that had already been in, you know, shelter at home for 14 days at that point and were losing their mind. So we knew that we were grateful to have this freedom, but it also felt so extreme to all of a sudden and, and they kind of go from zero to 60 in some ways because we had like, it was sort of like gradual. We felt like for everyone else, like work from home, uh, kids are home, uh, stay inside more. Okay. Really? No, you got to stay inside. It was a little bit more gradual and it felt so just like whiplash kind of at the end, like, wait a minute, we're going home. We've spent the last week getting excited actually about staying and, and saying like, okay, maybe this is our time to explore if this is the kind of place we would want to live someday and be here for longer and all of these things. So, but ultimately it's not a competition. Like grief is grief and we are all experiencing grief in different ways. And we were experiencing grief. And in some ways it was delayed because we kind of avoided things while we were there. In other ways, there was also a sense of loss that we had this trip we were really excited about that had this so much heaviness over it. It felt like our last week there got stolen. And I specifically was really struggling with that with my book. Like I was supposed to have my most time to work on the book in that third week. And between food poisoning and coronavirus, it was like, I didn't write a whole thing. And then that just brings up old stories of like, oh my gosh, the number of times this book has gotten derailed. Is this going to happen again? So it was just heavy. We just kind of kept looking at each other and just... It just wasn't kind of the, and I'm not saying that to complain. I'm not, I'm just saying that to be like, it's a lot, you know, it's just a lot. And um, then that night we were aware that day. So I remember it was Saturday at noon and we looked around and we realized there's no one here anymore. And I filmed a video that I um, put on Instagram of our resort, just completely empty. We're on the beach Saturday at noon. There is no one on any of the other chairs, any of the beach loungers anywhere. And you can't even see anyone. There is one other couple. And then the actual beach itself is practically empty. Like hardly anyone is on it. And we were like, this is wild. Like everyone went home. I think that 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 edict came down from the State Department on Thursday night. And I think so many people left on Friday We also believe that there were a lot of other countries that issued similar edicts because we were looking up on Saturday, the Cancun airport on Instagram and Twitter to try to get a sense of like, how is it? Are people having trouble getting out? How early should we go? It's going to be crazy. And there were people from, it seemed, Argentina and Chile who both were stuck in the country. And there was one, there was one Instagram post that said, we are, we are 750 people trying to get home to Argentina. No, I do not know that they were all at the Cancun airport. I don't know where he was getting this from, but it did seem like there were some countries that were like really struggling. There was, looked like there was crazy lines at the airport. It's kind of hard to tell because a lot of times just a normal airport is really full. So it was kind of hard to tell, but it felt like maybe a lot of people had all rushed to their airport on Saturday. 
that night we went out to dinner and we're walking around town. And again, I have uh, footage of this. I'll share on Instagram if I haven't already, but, um, the downtown, I would say there was 10% of the people that there normally were. I mean, it was bizarre. It was like a ghost town. And to have seen that happen in a day was just wild. So Sunday we wake up and we know that it's our last day where we were getting, we were leaving about noon and, um, we get to breakfast and Jeremy just can't stop crying. And he is not a crier. It's actually like a running joke with us that he, he'll say he cries at things. And I'm like, I didn't see any tears. You didn't actually cry. Like, and I mean, he just couldn't stop crying. And he's like, I just, I was, I kept being like, do you want to tell me anything? Do you want to share anything? You know, just trying to be like, if you'd like to talk about your feelings, cause he tends to just be quiet as I think certain people do. Whereas I like talk as I'm feeling something. And he was like, I just, I'm so happy here. I've been so happy here. And it just, it feels like, it feels like if you're going back to a job, you just absolutely loathe tomorrow. And it's like, it's over. Like you had this vacation and it just feels so heavy. And whereas normally, yes, we would have loved being there for three weeks, but we also love our life in New York and we love our home. And so we might've been sad to leave, but just not that level of weight. And he said, you were feeling this yesterday and I didn't get it. And it's like, today it's hitting me. And now I get kind of how you were feeling yesterday. So we watched our church remotely. Our church has this beautiful, um, church online that is happening. And we, I was in a thong bikini walking along the water, worshiping with my church, <laughs> things I never thought I would say about myself. And, um, just trying to be really, you know, present. And, um, then I, we got in the, um, in the taxi on the way. And I said to uh, the airport, and I said to Jeremy, we need to call our moms. It's mother's day. And he's like, it is. And I was like, yeah, that's what I saw on Instagram. So we call my mother-in-law and we're like, happy mother's day. She's like, huh? It's, it's not mother's day. And I'm like, uh, Instagram told me it was mother's day. And then all of a sudden it clicks for me that all three of the accounts I saw that on, um, are British bloggers. Um, so yeah, it was British mother's day, but our mothers are American. So, um, anyways, we get to the airport and it was just fun fact, the easiest, emptiest travel day we've ever seen. Um, the, the streets were empty. The, I've, you've never seen a shorter line for airport security in your life. Our flight was half full. There was no one. I mean, you want to talk about keeping people six feet away from you. There was no one in the rows in front of us to the side of us or behind us. Now, granted we moved because I'm savvy. So I like saw it opening. I was like, can we move to those seats? So there was no one around us on the air, airplane fastest customs you've ever seen when we landed in Phoenix. No traffic, like no one driving at the Phoenix airport. It was just wild. And we are now in a uh, four bed, two and a half bath ranch home with a pool uh, in the suburbs, which is um, no offense to anyone who lives in the suburbs. Um, but it's kind of our nightmare, guys. So it's kind of comical that this is where we were at. Um, we went to Walmart um, because we needed to get some food. And uh, there was no food at Walmart. There were no eggs. There was no bacon. There was no sausage. There was no cereal. There was no, uh, there was no pasta. 
all the things that I've been seeing on Instagram. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is real. Um, the food delivery can't deliver. So as of today, Monday, when I'm recording this, we still haven't figured out how we're going to get groceries. Like we can keep doing food take delivery, but that like meal delivery from restaurants, which is way more expensive, but we're down to do cooking here and we can't figure out how to get eggs. So in conclusion, um, we do not know what our plans are next. Um, we don't know how long we will stay here. We have some ideas. We have some ideas about where we will go next. But again, I think we are playing that a little close to the vest just so that other people aren't uh, commenting on what our decisions and our choices are. But we or I feel intimidated about finding a new rhythm. Um, you know, there's there's just there's a lot of of change happening. And and it isn't answered just because we left Mexico, just because we got here. It doesn't mean, okay, great. We're going to stay here for two months and nothing else has changed in my business. Nothing else has changed in our lives. I mean, for all of us, we're just experiencing a lot of change. And like a lot of you, things don't feel super comfy right now. You know, they just, they don't feel great. They don't feel comfy. And um, there still is, for all of us, there is uncertainty about the future and what's happening. And we do still feel uncertainty about where we are going to live, how long we will stay on the road, where we will go, where are places we will work well. Um, Financially, how do we feel about staying on the road? At what point will we go back to New York? What is the trajectory going to be there? Um, But in the meantime, we are going to continue living our pandemic in paradise dream out over on Instagram for as long as I have content over there. As I said, I took a lot of that just for myself because um, I want to be there walking on the beach instead of, um, you know, doing a... 24-hour Instagram feed of the puzzle that I'm doing at the, uh, you know, ranch-style table here in this suburban house because uh, it's it's more exciting for all of us, <laughs> you and me, to uh, go back to uh, Rocco the Cody. Oh, guys, I mean, if you haven't seen Rocco, you got to go check out my Instagram. But I, Jeremy hasn't mentioned him today, but I've been thinking about him. I just haven't wanted to bring him up because I don't want Jeremy to feel sad about it. But um yeah, we befriended this animal and, um, he, I mean, let's be honest guys, he was just using this for our snacks, but I'm totally okay with that. Um, because he knew who we were. He knew who Jeremy was. He got so comfortable coming. We'd saw him multiple times a day and, um, I have some just amazing photos and videos that I'll keep sharing. And, um, yeah, it was just one of those special little things that we were really sad to miss. And I filmed a tour of our treehouse that I'll be sharing and, you can get your daily dose of hashtag pandemic in paradise over on Instagram. So please come over there and leave me a comment on my Instagram post. If you wouldn't mind, I am pretty overwhelmed with my DMS these days because I was staying out of them and just trying to process all of this for ourselves and our family and be present. And, um, but I would love if you would come over and share in the comments, because I think when other people can see that community happening, it really does help people to feel less alone. And I've seen people replying to other people's comments. So come comment below whatever my latest Instagram post is. I would really just love to hear from you what you're 
what your experience has been, what has not felt comfy, what has been the hardest part mentally, um, what decision have you had to make, what decision has been out of your control. Um, Truly, I do feel encouraged hearing other people's stories and um, I would love to hear from you, even if it is just coming over and saying, um, you know, if you you appreciated this episode, if you felt connected or if it uh, was interesting and just took your mind off things for a bit, uh, if there was something that you related to or something that made you laugh or gave you a new perspective, truly it would mean so much for me to uh, just hear a little uh, note or emoji from you over there. And also if um, you feel that this podcast over the last year of content would bless other people in this season, it would mean so much if you would take a minute to leave a review. There are more people that are looking for companionship and support and uh, things online as they find themselves spending more time on their phones. And the reviews are the number one way that other people find this podcast. When they come across it and it has more reviews, they are more likely to listen. And as the reviews get higher, we get ranked alongside other top ranking podcasts and more people see it. So truly it could be a, um, I'm not just saying this, it really is a way to sort of spread the love is to just say, you know what? You do have time to do. You have time to finally figure out how to leave a review if you never have before and to take those 60 seconds and do that. um, And just let people know that this is, a safe, inspiring, encouraging, uplifting place um, that uh, will bring people joy and light and growth in this season. So I am so grateful that you are here and I will see you very soon with grace and gumption. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is the revelation that you can sing a section of Toto Africa, that song that if you don't know, Jeremy and I are obsessed with the song because of the Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake skit. I will link it in the show notes if I can find it on Instagram. I mean, on YouTube. Um, it is one of the songs that you can sing while you're watching, washing your hands and it's 20 seconds and that's how you know how long it is. Um, by the way, guys, the other day, Jeremy was like, every time I, I wash my hands, I sing, um, I sing happy birthday to two celebrities. And today it was Oprah and OJ Simpson. He says this when he like gets back to breakfast at the resort. And I was like, OJ Simpson? I was like, why are you singing happy birthday to OJ Simpson? And he's like, I was just on O's today. And I was like, uh, okay, well, could we could we just people pick people who are not murderers? Like, I, I I love your heart and thank you for sharing, but could we just there's, you know, there's gotta be someone else. So, anyways, um, but if you are tired of singing happy birthday or you would like something to entertain yourself in these hand-washing sessions, um, I'm loving Toto Africa. And guys, one of the reasons why I'm loving it is because um, it is so much harder to sing this song than I ever realized because there's so many harmonies. I can't, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a professional singer. I also am more of a singer than the average person. Musical theater was my last career, but I was a dancer actor. So I'm not a singer-singer. When I sing on this podcast, I'm not singing for you to go, oh my gosh, she has such a good voice by any means. But also I know I can carry a tune more than the average folk, right? And I cannot figure out where the modulations happen in this song because there's so many glorious harmonies. So it also just makes me giggle every time that I'm like, I am horrible at this. But it's also an upside of the fact that we... uh live in this house because I was washing my hands a lot more at the bathrooms around the resorts when I wasn't going to sing like a crazy person. But now that I'm by myself, I'm just going to belt it out. So here's, here's the refrain for you. So you don't have to figure out what the 20 seconds are. Okay. 
So let me, let me get my, my beginning. Hold on. Gonna take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. I bless the rains down in Africa. I'm gonna take some time to do the things we never had. Ooh, ooh. Apparently that was 20 seconds, but guys, I, I mean, I'm telling you, go back and listen to the music. There's some modulations in there. I don't know how to get my voice. So maybe this will all entertain us as well as we all learn how to sing the acapella rendition um, of Toast Africa. Guys, you are so welcome for that piece of news that you can use in advance. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Bye. Till next Wednesday.